Hi, friends, and thank you for joining Christ Church Online. This week, we closed out our stewardship focus within our Inner Workings of Worship series as we celebrated our annual service of Harvest in Gathering. If you'd like to get the other messages within this series, you can do so by going to ccgf.org sermons, or you will find them on the Christ Church app, which is available on iOS and Android devices. Today's message is taught by our senior pastor, the Reverend Dr. Jared Ott, and includes a personal testimony from our own Linda Santavica. Thank you for listening. Let's pray. God, we thank you for today. Thank you for the fact that we can hear from kids this morning singing your praises as we do the same. Father, we thank you so much for what your word has to say to us when it comes to our money. Father, many of us come in here this morning thinking about it all week. The bills that we have to be paid or things that we need to save for, the job we have to go to even though we don't like it. It's on the top of our minds. Father, I do thank you for the fact that while many of our lives are consumed by various aspects of money, that you speak to us so clearly in your word about it. Father, that you... Teach us how to invest wisely. Father, I pray that you impress upon us the message you want us to hear this morning. Father, this really stretches our faith. Makes us rely on you even more so. But we thank you for the promises that you speak to us in your word. Father, impress upon us now those promises. Encourage us. Some of us are struggling so much. Father, thank you for what you've given to us. What you've said to us. Father, I pray that my lips are your lips now, my heart is your heart, Father, and you speak to us. And that we aren't just hearers of the word, but we will be doers of it as well. I ask all this in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen. Well, good morning, Christ Church. You know that uh, we've been in this series called The Treasure Principle. And uh, hopefully you've had this book to be able to talk, uh, read through. This book has been, has some excellent principles in there, uh, about how to give, why we give, the joys of unlocking, uh, the secrets of joyful giving. You know, this is a, is a tough series. Um, we do it every year as we talk about money, but it's, it's not tough for us to talk about it because scripture is so clear. There's so many scriptures about money and finances, uh, that it's, it's actually, it's, it's one of the most talked about items throughout scripture. Money, finances, investing. The key being store up for yourselves treasures in heaven. You know, one of the things that many of us feel when we hear a series about money, that a lot of us feel like we're, this is a, a guilt trip on, if we have money, it's bad, or that we shouldn't be investing money, or we shouldn't be saving money. And that's not what it says at all. In fact, the Bible is very clear that it doesn't disregard hard work, it doesn't, it doesn't disregard savings, it doesn't say, it doesn't disregard wise investments. The question is, is hoarding for hoarding's sake though? Having a lot of money, so that brings us joy and happiness. You know, and there's a lot of people talking about financial plans. We want to have a financial plan. I know a few years, uh, many, many years back, before we had kids, my wife and I were, uh, had to get some life insurance, and so we had to sit down with a financial planner, and the, the financial planner was telling us, this is before we had kids, they said, listen, one of the things you need to save up for is college. And uh, I thought, oh, that's good. Uh, and they, we didn't know how many kids we were going to have at the time, so he kind of put some different scenarios together. And he said, listen, maybe if you have two or three kids, what you want to do is maybe even four kids, you want to save up that money so that the kids don't have to spend any money for college. That's what he did. 
I thought, well, that's, that sounds like a wise plan. And so uh, not having kids or knowing how much college costs in 20 years. So he did some predictions and said, uh, well, this is how much college is going to cost in 20, uh, 25 years from now. And he said, you know, a lot of co- kids are now getting their master's degree. So you know, if you really want to help your kids, you want to you save up for that as well. So your kids don't have to spend any money for college or your, their master's program. So we said, well, okay, well, how much, how much would one need to save um, if, um, if you had, let's say, three, four kids and you want to pay for all their college and all their master's program? And uh, he, th- he then gave us a number, and uh, I thought he was kidding. And uh, I said, uh, I, I literally said, that's more, mo- you want me to save that money per month. That's more than I make the entire year for us to be able to accomplish that. But we, that's what the, a lot of the world would say. Is, Listen, you want to have, you wanna have uh, money. You want to hold on to it. You want to have happiness. You want to hold on to it. You want your kids to be happy. Hold on to it. And what Scripture is saying here is a little different. It's a little different. And this passage this morning is really going to challenge us. It's going to challenge you mightily because what we realize from this passage is we've got to put our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And it's really going to challenge us because a lot of us live in fear of not having enough. And I know you hear from myself, you've heard from John, you've heard from Jamie over the past uh, number of weeks as we talk about giving, but it's always good to hear from somebody else. Because there's a lot of stories out there of people who, who've, who've lived it out. Some of you may say, well, Jared, you, you don't have any idea of knowing what it feels like to not have any, not even know if you're going to be able to turn the lights on or feed your family. And that's why it's always good to hear stories. So I'd like to bring up Linda Sandavica to the stage. Would you please welcome Linda Sandavica to our stage this morning? As Linda's coming up, we had known Linda for a few years and living in New York City, she told us her story about what it looks like to give, especially when you don't have a whole lot. So Linda, take us away. Good morning. Um... This January, uh, two years ago, my husband and Ed and I started coming here to Christ Church. Prior to us getting married and me moving to Pittsburgh, I was living in Manhattan. And um, the church I went to, uh, Trinity, on the Upper East Side, where I lived, uh, I went there for the first time about 19 years ago. I remember the day, clear as a bell, It was a lot colder than it is today, and I walked in, and I was at my bottom. I did not know the Lord, never read the Bible. I was very alone, single, jobless, and I was carrying around a debt of $35,000. That's my own personal debt crisis. At that first time I was at the church, as I was uh, immediately after the service, a friend from the past came up to me, and we started talking. Now, this person tried to witness to me 10 years prior to that day. We exchanged numbers, we got together, and I told her my story and how I got so steeped in debt. And she said, you need to start tithing. And I said, tithing? What's that? And she says, whatever you earn or whatever comes your way, you take 10% off the top and you give it to God. And I said, well, how can I give if I don't have And she says, you need to give, you need to trust, and watch and see what God can do. A few weeks later, her and her husband presented me with this beautiful study Bible. Now, I've never read the Bible, and I couldn't afford to go out. So I stayed in every night, and I started reading the Bible. And I was just floored by the words that were just coming into my heart. I was so encouraged, and I got hooked. To give you some background, at that time, I was also in the performing arts, which is not a lucrative career, um, and that probably factored into a lot of my debt. 
So uh, about a few weeks later, I went into church, and I had a $20 bill, and it was a lot of money. $20 is a lot of money to somebody in debt. But I sat there, and I says, okay, God, I need this a lot more than you do, but I'm going to trust you, and I'm going to put it in the offering, and I did. And then a few weeks later, I got booked a commercial, which when you're on you get a commercial, you get increments of residuals. And God started blessing me with a little few gigs here and there. And my heart started to change. I said, you know, God, it was my stupid spending that got me into this mess. It's going to be my responsibility to get out of it. But I don't want anyone's help. I want you, if I'm, you to show me how to do this. So, with God's help, we put a plan into action. Immediately, I shredded up all the credit cards. I tithed. I paid my rent, utilities. I bought only what I needed, not what I wanted. And I tried to save a little bit along the way. So God was working all this out. And at the same time, I said, you know something? This career I'm in is not going to sustain me. So... With God in in prayer, I said, I'm going to relinquish this career I love to secure a position that would bring in a steady income and some benefits. However, I didn't have any skill sets. All I knew was stage and film. So a friend of mine suggested I go sign up with a temp agency, and I went in, and I said to the woman, you know, I'm looking for some work. And she said, well, what can you do? I said, answer phones. She goes, great. I have an assignment at a private wealth management firm for two days answering phones. And I said, absolutely not. I says, I'm not into finances. I don't have the skill sets anywhere but not finances. I'll go into advertising, whatever. And she said, this is all I have. So I went into this place, and for two days I was doing light clerical work and filing, answering phones. Then the managing director asked me if I could stay a week. I said, sure, I stay a week. Then the week turned into a month. And in that month, They asked me if I could help out, build a spreadsheet. I didn't know what it was. They said, we'll train you and do a presentation. And they trained me with that. Then they invited me to the Christmas party. And then after the Christmas party, they offered me a full-time position as a junior portfolio assistant. I had zip qualifications to work in finances, but that didn't matter with God. He put me in the financial mecca of the world so I could glean the disciplines of stewardship, to manage money, to save, and to invest wisely, not just in stocks and bonds, but to invest in the kingdom. But more important than learning about financial fundamentals, God was doing something even greater. He was revealing to me the many facets of his character as he kept every one of his promises by providing all my needs according to his glorious riches. In miraculous ways, in ways I never could imagine, God provided. My family at the time was living out in California, and given I ripped up all the credit cards, I said, how am I going to get money for a plane ticket? This woman I came, became friends with at church, she was a flight attendant, and she goes, I got a buddy pass for you, don't worry about that. First class round trip to San Francisco and back on a buddy pass. I took restaurants and theater off the table until I was debt-free. But you know what? God knew I loved going to the theater. 
I'd get a call from friends and say, hey, we have an extra ticket or, you know, we're going to be out of town. Take these tickets and use them. So while God not just provided my needs, he blessed me with all my wants and desires. God could have wiped out my debt in a day, but he had a better plan. For two years, he kept me on a short leash, not to hold me down, but that we would have a solid relationship. He purposed my debt to solidify my faith in him and to show me that my relationship with him far outweighed my relationship to the material. Throughout the entire restoration process, God never dropped me off, not once, not once did I go without. We went through this mission field of debt together. And he showed me that he can do the impossible, that he can take a woman in her 40s with no skill sets and put her down in Wall Street to learn how to take care of herself and to move forward. Every month as I was paying off my bills, I was watching my debt diminish. Two years later, we wiped out that debt. And I remember writing out the check, sticking it in an envelope, putting a stamp on and walking down to the corner post office and putting it in the mailbox. And then I did the next best thing. I ran around Central Park, debt-free, light as a feather, breakneck speed. But more important than that, I came to know the God of abundance. In God's economy, the harvest is plenty. God blesses what we give away, not what we hold on to. We serve a God who is the ultimate cheerful giver. My debt was a mountain, but God's hand in mind, we ascended to the top. And when I got there, I said, God, I don't ever want to be in debt again because I don't want to miss out on the joy of giving and getting to know you so intimately. A lot of verses in the Bible are very applicable to tithing and giving. But for me, right from the start, on my heart, from Proverbs 18, when we give, we are ushered into the presence of his greatness. Thank you, and have a blessed Thanksgiving. Many of you can relate to that. Maybe not living in New York, but many of you can relate to the fact that you don't have much and you're wondering how you can pay the bills that you're paying. How could you provide food? Your job's not going well. You can relate. And there's a fear there of going, I, I just, you know, not even talking about tithing, just I don't just know how I'm going to provide my next meal. I know because I've talked to you. I've talked to many people who are just down and out and really struggling. But Linda reminds us the story that God's the God of abundance. And that's what this passage speaks about. God's the God of abundance. That's what brings us so much hope and joy throughout this life, that knowing that no matter how tough it gets, God's in control and he's the God of abundance. Many of us would long to be like Linda and say, you know what, I want to I give, can't wait to pay off my last debt, or I'd love to be able to tithe joyfully. How do you do that? And the passage speak to it, speaks to us about that. 
you know, the past few weeks we've been talking about money, and a few weeks ago I was over in the sanctuary emceeing when Jamie was talking about the Macedonian churches and how the Macedonian church was, was dying to give. They were just wanting, they were saying, Paul, here, give. We, just, we want to give above and beyond. They couldn't wait to give. And then he so he uses that here. That was right in Second Corinthians. Now he talks about the benefits of actually giving. You see, if you understand this principle, it radically transforms your whole life. It radically transforms how we give altogether, because not only do we see that there's uh, there's a need to do it, but there's a, there's a there's a return when we do. What happens when we give? What happens when we give? First off, when we give, we should expect to give joyfully. If you have your Bibles, I encourage you to turn there. Jamie just read it for us. 2 Corinthians, it's also in your service sheets. Verse 7. Look at verse 7 in your service sheets. It says, each one of you should give what, what you've decided in your heart to give. Not reluctantly or in a compulsion. For God loves a cheerful giver. First thing we have to understand is that we can give cheerfully. Why? Because God loves a cheerful giver. We give because God's given to us first. That's why 1 John 4.19 says we love because he first loved us. He first loved us so much that he sent his own son to die in our place. That's why when we started this whole series uh, three weeks ago, four weeks ago, we talked about the rich young ruler who came to Christ and said, Hey, Christ, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Christ says, sell your possessions, give to the poor. And he says, I can't do it. And he walks away sad, had nothing to do with his money, had everything to do with his heart. You see, you can't give joyfully like Lindy. You can't give expecting to receive from God if you first don't have a relationship with Him. So it starts right there. The question is, is do you believe that? Do you have a relationship with Jesus Christ? Do you realize that you're, you're in desperate need of a Savior? That's where it starts. What an incredible promise. We love because He first loved us. And when we give, we can give joyfully. And it says there, it's not just a, it, it's personal. It's not just casual giving. Look at verse 7. It says, what you've decided in your heart to give or purposing of your heart. The idea of uh, predetermining what you've given. That's why we've talked about this series. That's why we do the in-gathering here today uh, when, we, when we give our pledges for the year. Because we give the opportunity to pray about, God, what do you want me to give? It's not grudgingly. We don't give out of, uh, out of guilt or with sorrow or sadness. I know I've shared this before. When I give a gift to my wife, if I came home and said, Here, Deb, here's this wonderful new necklace. I hope you enjoy it because we're not eating for a week. Uh, but wear it with pride because uh, she would say, Keep it. She would say, don't even give it to me. If you're going to give it out of grudging or out of uh, reluctant or under compulsion, don't even give it. And I wonder if God, what God would say. He said, listen, I love a cheerful giver. That's what we want to see happen. Not, not grudgingly. We're purposing our heart. But also it talks about not being under compulsion. In other words, the first, the first idea has to do with our own attitude, our own heart, grudgingly. The second attitude, compulsion, has to do with an external, like people making you feel guilty. A, a guilt that's put on you. There's a legalistic way of giving that you know, people think, maybe if I give so much, the good will outweigh the bad. There's many religion out there. There's many different even denominations out there uh, who, who, who say differently. Some people will say, listen, there's, you have to give so much alms to the poor. You have to give so much. Other religions say, if you don't give, you're never going to uh, have eternal life. And that has nothing to do with what Scripture says. Even Paul said didn't want to put the burden on the people with regard to some legalistic way. We aren't to give 
because of an outside motivation or because someone told us to, because it's a legalistic way, because we feel the pressure to do it. Why? Because our reward is to be taken away. I, as a pastor, would never want to push people and feel, make them feel so guilty to give. Why? Because the reward is gone. What's the reward? The joy of giving. Because they're not really giving out of joy. So therefore, there's no joy. If they're, they're, God loves a cheerful giver. You're not cheerful. Well, God doesn't love it. God wouldn't love that kind of gift if there's a pressure, a guilt there. What it's saying is, listen, we want to give joyfully. A lot of us would say, so desperately say, I want to give joyfully. I don't want to, every Sunday, wonder, um, or when it comes to giving, to, to give reluctantly. Now, it's easy to say that. It's hard to do it. Why? Because there's a fear. There's a constant fear of not having enough. That's exactly what Linda was dealing with. A lot of us want to have joy. How do you have the joy? How do you have joy? You take the fear away. How do you take the fear away? When, you, when it comes to giving, we should also expect to be resupplied. That's the point number two. Not only should we expect to give joyfully, but we should expect to be resupplied. Look at verse 8. It says, And God is able to bless you abundantly, so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. For as is written, they have freely scattered their gifts to the poor. Their righteousness endures forever. Now he who supplies the seed to the sower and bread for the food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. And through us, your gener- generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. Let me ask you a question. If you knew that you had an unlimited supply of resources, unlimited supply of material possessions, if you knew that the well would never run dry, would you give? I think that we'd all say, yeah, we could probably give that way. You know, every night, Deb and I pray that God will provide everything that we need. We've learned to not pray for specific things that we really want because we've learned the hard way that God gives us oftentimes what we need, not necessarily what we want. And oftentimes, every time, what we need is way better. I remember many years ago, and I've shared this story before, of um, living in Beaver Falls, uh, going to Geneva, I was married, uh, Deb was done with school, and our <coughs> apartment got broken into. Uh, we were living on a college budget, so the people that came in, there was nothing inside, so joke's on you. But uh, <laughs> uh, nonetheless, the, <laughs> the apartment got robbed. But it was a dangerous situation. We didn't feel comfortable being there anymore. And uh, we really needed to get out. And uh, I remember, you know, we were giving regularly to the church. And uh, we said, you know, we're not going to give that up. But God, pray that you provide what we needed. And I was the youth pastor here at the the time. And I remember coming into my office. And on my desk was the exact amount to the penny of a first and last month's rent for a new apartment in a different area. Still to this day, don't know who that was. We still don't know who this, today, who this was. Story after story of God providing. God providing. God provides. God provides. Some of you are dealing with that right now. God, I need you to provide. I don't have the money to pay this bill. My, my business is going down the tubes. I don't know if I'm going to have a job. My family is in desperate need. Do you believe it that God can provide? Do you believe it? Do you believe it? It's our greatest fear. Our greatest fear is that we're going to run out, that we're not going to have enough. I love the story of R.J. Latornu. He was a guy who had, uh, he was a business owner. He had amassed wealth by uh, making those big heavy machines that push dirt and big uh, dirt movers, okay? 
And uh, he had become a millionaire. And by the later part of his life, in fact, he was giving 90% of his money away, his income, and living just on 10%. Yet he was getting richer every single day. And somebody said, Mr. Latornu, how is it that you're giving 90% of your income away, yet you continue to get richer? And his answer is classic in relation to his equipment that he sold. He said, I shovel it out, and God shovels it back, but God has a bigger shovel. Isn't that the truth? Some of us feel like we are the ones that have to you know, do these things that God's never going to provide. There's no faith that he's got a bigger shovel. And I think Linda learned that lesson. Some of us have to learn that lesson. You know, I was always amazed by the emails that come this week, uh, especially as it relates to money. We had a single mom email myself and Pastor Barry, uh, who um, Pastor Barry manages so wonderfully our Good Samaritan Fund to help people in need. And so I, I talked to him about this need that this woman had, a single mom whose car was just uh, was in the shop, didn't have, she didn't have the money to fix it. She was living on very low income. So we said, well, let's meet. We're going to meet together to, to, to talk about it, and we're going to pray about it in the meantime. Well, she emailed us like five minutes later and said, you know what? Just went to the shop, or they just called, I guess, and they said, there's no bill. You're all good. You can go. Time after time, God provides. God provides. How does he do that? Because he's got a bigger shovel. And it says really clear in Scripture, God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things and all times, having all that you need. We hear stories after stories of God providing. The question is, do you believe it? Do you believe it? Do you have faith to know that he's going to supply your needs? It reminds me of the Old Testament story of the widow who um, in 1 Kings where Elijah went, she only had a little bit of flour and oil left. And she said, uh, I only have one meal left after we make this. uh, My son is just going to lay over and die. And Elijah said, listen, uh, if you provide me this food, uh, God's going to supply your needs. And God did. He, He kept replenishing the jars. That's what we call the law of resupply. But can you imagine being so low? Talk about being pressed down so low that you're going to die because you don't have enough money just to provide food. Some of us are at that point. You've got to realize that God, God loves you, that he's going to resupply. That's exactly what the scripture says. It says in 1 Corinthians 2, your faith must rest in the, on the wisdom, not of men, but the power of God. The, 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 the wisdom of men says, listen, if you save, if you have enough, you'll be okay. God says, listen, I've got a bigger shovel. I'm going, to, I'm going to supply you. I'm the God of abundance. I'm the God who gives it to you in the first place. He's able, it says in Romans 16, not to him who is able to establish you. Ephesians 3.20, he's able to do exceedingly more above all that you can ever ask. He doesn't skimp. It says in Luke 6.38, give and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be poured into your lap, it says. For with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Give and it will give into you a good measure, pressed down, shaking together, running over, be poured into your lap. Linda talked about God shall supply all our needs according to his riches and glory. Verse after verse of promises that God's going to take care. He doesn't let go. He, he, he gives it back. And I love what the, you know, the scripture says there. It says, he who supplies the seed to the sower and the bread for the food will also supply and increase your, your store of seed and will enlarge your harvest. You know, any farmer, any logical person knows that when you sow seeds of barley, you get barley. You sow seeds of oats, you get what? Oats. You sow seeds of corn, you get corn. So I think it's very clear in the scripture when you sow seeds of money, what do you get? God's going to resupply you. 
He'll do it. That's the promise. The question is whether you believe it. Now, a lot of people will say, okay, now I'm going to give because as soon as God pours it into my lap, then I can use it for every dream that I can ever imagine. The reason that God gives it back, and this is, this is where a lot of pastors won't go, but the reason God gives you back is so that you can overflow with generosity so you can do more good deeds. That's exactly what Scripture says. So you can do more. You'll be rich in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. That's the thing. It's not to consume your own desire. You'll be given by God all you need to meet the demands of your generous heart. I always think it's amazing the people that are, that keep giving just like that, that, that man in the story of the, the moving equipment that, that, that God keeps providing and they have a generous heart and they just keep giving. Because it replenishes the abundance. God is the one who gives the seed to the sower. He's the supplier. He'll do it and that's the promise. Do you believe it? Now, there's a lot, so there, there, there's a lot of benefits. We think of those as personal benefits. There's joy. And he resupplies us. And when he resupplies us, we can let go of that fear. We understand that, that, that we can give joyfully. But there's also an external one as well. That when we give, we should expect it will bring glory to God. We should expect that it will bring glory to God. It's not just meeting our needs. It's, meet, it's bringing glory to God. It's moving the message down the road. I didn't read this verse. We didn't have time to read the entire passage. But two verses later, verse 13 of that same passage, it says this. Because of the service by which you have been proved yourselves, men will praise God for the obedience that accompanies your confession of the gospel of Christ and for your generosity in sharing with them and everyone else. So when you give, it, there's benefits for you, but there's also benefits as it moves God's message. The glory of God. You know, one of the things that most of you recognize here at Christ Church is that all the ministries that we've got going on, we say this all the time, that we really want you to get involved and plugged into Christ Church because there's ministries all throughout the week. And that's why we talk about the series that give of your time, talents, and treasures. There's ministry opportunities right in your service sheet, all the different ministries we have. Now, without even looking at this, this week I said, you know, what are all the ministries that we have that that we budget for, that we can prepare for? So we know at Christ Church. So you understand it's not just on Sunday mornings. And just off the top of my head, I wrote these down. It's a long list of all the ministries here at Christ Church. We have a Monday evening Bible study. We have a Monday evening college and career group. A Bible study fellowship Wednesday mornings. Wednesday evening men's Bible study. A middle school Wednesday. A high school Wednesday with small groups. Two Thursday morning women's Bible studies. We support Verlin through a joyful noise once a month. There's a Thursday evening men's Bible study. A Friday morning men's Bible study. A Friday morning women's Bible study. There's a monthly men's breakfast. There's young adults at 10 a.m. on Sunday. There's high school ministry at 10 a.m. on Sunday. There's middle school ministry at 10 a.m. on Sunday. We have Christian ed all throughout our Sunday mornings. We have a Sunday night high school ministry. We have women's care, cancer connection, divorce care, grief share, hope share, hope recovery, prime timers, mops, mops next. We have a marriage ministry, a music ministry, a youth and college ministry. We have caring meals, a good Samaritan fund. We have counseling ministries. We support missions through Urban Impact, Encounter Dominican Republic. We still support Encounter Uganda through the Seed Ministry, Women in Crisis Ministry, Young Lives, Choices, Silver Ink Thing. Our church is open for conferences all throughout the year. We have Avonworth coming, uh, school district coming to our, our church this week to do a big conference here. We support Eden and Rama youth conferences, pastoral care conferences, ordination conferences, prayer events, and we have Light the Night coming just in December. 
Now, I'm sure I'm going to get 30 emails from all the people that I did not mention that we have going on here this week. Those were just at the top of my head. You've got to say, well, wait a second, it's not just on Sunday mornings. There's a lot of ministries happening within here Sunday mornings, within uh, the building throughout the week, and then externally as, as well, around our city, around the world. And that's what the money goes to. As we, as we give, understand, it's not just for our personal benefit, but it moves the message of Jesus down the road. And that's why we come and we take a, uh, a, uh, we give our pledges so that we can know how we can budget for these things as we, as we move forward throughout the next year. So we can be good stewards of it. But as we, as we do that, and we're going to come and do that in a few minutes and, and give our pledges and put our harvest bags in as we do every year. I, I want to leave you with one passage. And I'm going to have the music team uh, come up as they're going to lead us through this next phase as we come and celebrate together as we look at Thanksgiving this coming up this week, giving thanks as we come and give our, our pledges and finish our service with a, a couple of uh, pieces of music so we can celebrate together. But I leave you with one passage. This is not a passage that you normally would hear about on talking about giving or stewardship because it's such a small passage in the Scripture. It oftentimes gets overlooked, but I always think about it. Because it doesn't, Scripture doesn't reflect on it a whole lot, but it says a whole lot. You know, when Jesus was going to enter Jerusalem, he, he rode on a donkey. Most of you know that. That's why we have Palm Sunday. And it says in Matthew 21, it says, They approached Jerusalem and came to Bethphage and the Mount of Olives. What Jesus did, he sent two disciples. He said to them, he said, Go to the village ahead of you, and at once you will find a donkey tied there with her colt by her. Untie them and bring them to me, Jesus says. And if anyone says anything to you, say the Lord needs them and he will send them right away. You got to understand, back in those times, having a donkey is like having a truck or a car, a, a truck that you would use to either carry yourself or your supplies. So if you're in construction, you know what I'm talking about. That truck is so valuable to you because it's everything. Imagine your car taking you to work. As a donkey, that's what these things were. It was a sign of wealth. This guy not only had a donkey, but he had another colt right next to him. He had two of them. And so Jesus says, go and get them. It would be like somebody come up to you and say, hey, would you, would you be willing to give your car and your truck? That's a big chunk of wealth. But what he says, he says, the Lord needs them and he will send them right away. What I love about this passage is he does it. Whatever this owner is, it doesn't say anything else. He doesn't say he does it uh, grudgingly. He doesn't say he does it out of fear that he's not going to have enough. He doesn't say he argues with them. He just does it right away. He sends them right away. I don't know who that guy is. I only know that he gave. I, I always wonder if he knew that that was going to move Jesus down the road. Did he know that that colt, that donkey that he gave, was going to move the message of Jesus further down the road? I don't know, but he still gave it because the Lord needed it. You know, all of us have something. Some of us have, maybe have a lot, like this guy with the donkey and the colts. Maybe some of us have very little, like John talked about last week with a woman with two coins. The question isn't how much you have or how little you have. The question is, is do, you, do you realize that the Lord needs it and he's going he's gonna to resupply you? Like this guy must have known that. Hey, you know what? If the Lord's going to need that, he's going to resupply me. He gave. This guy was just one guy in a long line of people who gave little things to a big God. And that's what we come to do. We, we give little things to a big God, a God who has a much bigger shovel. But not only does it bring us joy, not only does it he resupply us, but it brings glory to God. And I end where we started four weeks ago. Is 
Matthew 6, 19, do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and vermin destroy, where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy, where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Let me pray for us. God, thank you for today. Thank you for the fact that you speak to us so boldly through your word, Father. We thank you for this story of this gentleman who gave all that he had when it came to his donkeys, Father. And Lord, you've given us much. Father, I pray that we understand that when we give, we can give joyfully because we know that we're going to be resupplied. So be with us, those that are dealing with fear of that. Father, be with those that are really struggling right now, Lord, with the idea of money at all, who are just really pressed down, who are at the bottom, who are thinking, I have no money. I'm just here on Sunday mornings and I just, I have nothing to give. Father, be with them. Help them to realize that you love them, that you care for them, that you want to Bless them abundantly because you've got a bigger show. And Father, thank you for the gifts that you've given to us, Father. I pray that we can give freely and joyfully back to you and use them for your kingdom to bring you glory and use us for your service. I ask all this in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen.